0: Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, go with me to the book of Second Samuel chapter 21, 2 Samuel chapter 21 the scriptures will be on the screen. We are continuing this series that Victor started last week on unsung heroes. And if you'll just put up that first slide, unsung heroes. Victor started this last week. And if you were not here, you need to go back and listen to that message. It was such a powerful word from the Lord. But when Victor asked me to speak today, he said, I want you to just pick a female unsung hero in scripture. And I had a hard time, Deborah Quinn because there's a lot of women in Scripture that we don't hear a whole lot about. But the Lord took me to this passage we're about to read here in 2 Samuel chapter 21. You may have never heard of her before. Let's begin reading now at verse one. During the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord, and the Lord said, it is on account of Saul and his blood-stained house. It is because he put the Gibeonites to death. David asked the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement so that you will bless the Lord's inheritance? They answered the king, as for the man who destroyed us, and plotted against us so that we have been decimated and have no place anywhere in Israel. Let seven of his male descendants be given to us to be killed and their bodies exposed before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the Lord's chosen one. But the king took the two sons of Aiah's daughter Riz, Everyone say Rizpah, Rizpah. whom she had borne to Saul, together with the five sons of Saul's daughter Mireb. He handed them over to the Gibeonites, who killed them and exposed their bodies on a hill. Before the Lord, all seven of them fell together. They were put to death during the first days of the harvest, just as, they, as the barley harvest was beginning. Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and she spread it for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest, till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies. She did not let the birds touch them by day or the wild animals by night. Unsung hero number two, Rispa. Father, we thank you for this time we share together in your presence. Father, I know there are things you want to say to these beautiful people this morning. Holy Spirit, begin your work even now, even as the music prepared our hearts to receive this word so that we might be transformed to look more and more like you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Turn to someone and tell them, don't leave the rock. Don't leave the rock. And then you may be seated. Through the annals of history, we find the contribution of unsung women heroes. Their contributions have paved a way for all of us in this building this morning. Women such as Claudette Colvin, who on March the 2nd, 1955, she was returning home from school. She was too tired to give up her seat on the bus. She refused to move for a white passenger. Now this was nine months before Rosa Parks would do the very same thing. Later, she said that she felt inspired and motivated by early pioneers to stand her ground. When she was being interviewed by Newsweek magazine, she said that she felt Sojourner Truth Pushing down on one shoulder, and Harriet Tubman sitting down on the other one. And she said, It was as if I could hear them say to me, Sit down, girl. And she said, I was glued to my seat. Sojourner Truth was an African American female evangelist, she was an author. She had lived a miserable life as a slave to many different masters in New York until she finally escaped to freedom in 1826 after she gained her freedom she heard the message of Jesus Christ the gospel message and she became a believer and began to preach the gospel and her message was a powerful one she would preach there's neither male nor female Female. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. It got the attention of President Abraham Lincoln. And he was one of those that enjoyed listening to this early world crusader for Christ. When God began to call this woman right here, I was just a child of nine years old. At the age of nine, I had a supernatural encounter with the Lord and as I stood before the Lord, he called me to preach the gospel. I remember how confused I was because I had not seen a woman preacher unless she was a missionary. So I thought I must be growing up to become a missionary because I had not been exposed to women preachers and then I married this man right here and he is not a missionary he says if God calls me to Hawaii we will go on a mission trip to Hawaii but missions was not his passion it wasn't his heart And so I was very confused over what I was feeling in my spirit. And I can remember being a young woman in my early 20s. We're pastoring and I can feel the pushing of Holy Spirit, the fire that was shut up in my bones. And I was so confused about how this is supposed to work, God. What does this look like for me, God? And God took me on a journey and he had me start studying mighty women. And throughout history who had been preaching the gospel. Unsung heroes such as Amy Simple McPherson. I remember when I began to study her life. This was a Canadian Pentecostal woman who came to the United States started the Four Square Gospel Church. She was hated by many people but in the 1920s and the 1960s or 1960s thirties, she pioneered a movement. It was a media movement long before media was being used. She started using media as a way to get the gospel out to the four corners of the world. She was doing illustrated sermons in the twenties and the thirties so that Hollywood, she got the attention of the elite in Hollywood and they would show up there in Los Angeles to watch her do an illustrated sermon, and she made a major impact on the twentieth century. I think of a woman by the name of Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, who went into countries where people would not go, and she had an. She was an iconic woman when it came to reaching the hurting, the broken, the diseased the lepers. Where nobody else would love on them, she would touch the lepers. Where nobody else would give the poor a second look, she would embrace the poor. And Mother Teresa is an unsung hero. And when we look at all of this, what will we say uh, causes these people to be called a hero. It is not what is on the outside. It is not the outward appearance. It is what is on the inside of these people that make them heroes. It's not what the package looks like. It's what the package contains. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more underestimated than a woman of God. She might be five tall, but she's a giant in the spirit. I hope somebody will help me preach this today because I need some people to help me understand this today because there are some people in this room that uh, you, you, you know Samuel said it this way God a man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart and there's some of you today I'm looking across this congregation and there are some unsung heroes in this room this morning I think of Mama Sarah Glover sitting right here this woman there are many of you in this room because she led a movement among a younger generation of people people all over this nation heard about summiting church of god because of mama sarah glover who invested in this house and in the future of this church think of mama Glenda dodd who was a children's pastor here for over 30 years and she sowed a seed and she sowed seed and she sowed a seed and that fruit is sitting in this building today jesus so many unsung heroes and too often we look at the Package, and we think God can't use you because of the package. I want you to hear me clear this morning God can take a nobody and make them a somebody God can make a zero into a hero God don't need your permission He don't need your permission. He says who are you to talk back to me? Potter, you're the clay. I choose to do what I want to do with you. Somebody help me. Jesus, I'm helping some girls in this room today. I pray God will raise up a generation of younger women, younger girls who understand God doesn't care about the, what the package looks like. I let that for too long get in the way, but I don't look the part. God, I'm a female. Nobody wants to hear from a female. I'm telling you, when the Spirit of the Lord is in something, it don't matter what it looks like. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> There's a backstory here that you need to understand. In the text that I read to you, the nation of Israel had been experiencing a famine for some three years. King, King David, he began to inquire of the Lord, why God? Why? Because rain is seen as blessing from God. When the rain begins to fall, it's it's seen as a blessing on a people and on a land. We've been blessed a lot lately. But it is seen as a blessing, but for three, over three years, there had been no rain in all of Israel, and a famine had hit. So David begins to inquire of God, and God said, it's because of the blood guiltiness of the land when King Saul was king over Israel. Saul had slain innocent people in Gibeon, innocent people, and their blood was crying out for justice So David consults the Gibeonites and says, what can we do to reconcile? What can we do to make restitution for this great sin against you? And they said to him, give us the seven sons of Saul and we will execute them. Now, many Hebrew scholars say that they hung them with nails, much like a crucifixion. Others say they were literally hung like a... With a rope around the neck. What we do know, it was a very brutal, a horrific type of public display of execution. It was horrific to have to witness. And the law demanded in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, that when someone was put to death, They had to hang or they had to be taken down before sundown and buried. But David was under the obligation of the Ammonite law due to what happened with Gibeon. So he was under obligation of a different set of rules and laws. And the Ammonite law said this. When someone is executed, they have to hang there until the flesh rots off their bones and becomes dust, until the wind rattles their bones, uh, until a vulture picks them clean or a wild animal drags their body down. That was their fate. But there was a woman, and her name was Rizpah. Rispa was a resilient woman. She was a patient woman. She was a woman who understood that sometimes. The call to action can be a little bit overwhelming. She was a survivor. She survived not only her own mess, but she survived the mess of her husband. She is the perfect example for us to examine this morning of a person who's been caught up in the whirlwind of somebody else's making. Have you ever found Yourself connected to problematic people, people who create drama and trouble, and they just seem to gravitate toward negativity. I know you don't know anybody like that, but they're full of chaos. Their bad decision is affecting your life. Their chaos is affecting your peace. Their storm has now become your storm. The Bible says it this way. Those who sow to the wind will reap the whirlwind. And some of you have gotten caught up in the whirlwind of somebody else's bad decision, bad choice. It's like Jonah. Jonah, was in rebellion Jonah was disobedient and he's running from the Lord and he gets on a boat and everybody on the boat gets in a storm and that storm doesn't stop until they throw Jonah off the boat sometimes you gotta throw your Jonah off the boat and sometimes that's the only way the chaos ends but I want you to see what is going on because Rizpa found herself in this horrific situation. She had been living a very privileged life. She was the king's concubine. She was his lover. She got whatever she wanted. She had the ear of the king. She had the heart of the king. All other women desired that, but it was her reality. She had the hookup of a lifetime, friend. She, she had everything at her disposal. She got her daily manicures and pedicures, and she wore the finest of clothes, and she had her spa treatments. I mean, it was a good life, but Little did she know what was happening and what would occur in her future because those manicured hands and those pedicured feet would soon, soon climb upon a rock on the hill in Jerusalem and watch the execution of seven men, two of which were her very own babies. And with a simple knock at the door, Rizba hears some news that is about to rock her world (laughs) world. Those two boys that she had loved, that she had raised, that she had protected, that she had pampered, that she had watched over, that she had watched them do amazing things. Now they are being found guilty because of something their daddy did. Now they are being executed for their father's sins. Now they are in the middle of a, a political retaliation something they had nothing to do with, but they are being charged as if they are guilty and they have to be executed. Now, you better watch this. Hear, Hear me, because so often we read through the scriptures and we act like, well, that's an interesting story, but I want you just to get in her shoes for just a minute because this is a woman who, who had for a long time, she loved those babies. And now what is going on? She's watching them as a noose is being, being put around their neck. They're being strung up and they're kicking, and they're grasping for breath, and they're doing everything they can to try to get out of a situation. If they were hung by with nails, like many Hebrew scholars said, she's watching them as those nails are going through their bodies, and those men are screaming in pain, and she can't fix it. She can't change it. She can't make they're suffering and she wants to rescue them but she can't do anything about the situation here is where she is and this is where many in this room are this morning because there are those in this room you've got family members that have suffered because of something called sin, because of Adam's guilt, because of the fall of humanity. There are people in this room, you have sat, sat by the bedside of a family member and they were dying way too young and you fasted and you prayed and you begged God and you pleaded with the Lord and yet here it is the curse of sickness and disease has visited someone you love. You can't fix it. You can't change it. You tried everything you knew and yet they became victims of Satan's demise. There are others in this room and you have family members that are walking willfully against the Lord, and they are willfully in rebellion against God. I, I, I know this is a root, it's a generational root in our community called addiction. Addiction is a generational iniquity. In our community, and there are many people in this room that have been impacted by the horrific sin of addiction. You have watched as people you love get caught up in that whirlwind, and you couldn't fix it. You couldn't change it. You couldn't deter them. They willfully walked into it. My little sister, last year, November, she died of an overdose of of meth and Xanax in November of this past year. Her birthday was yesterday. And I, for many years, tried to fix it. My parents were the victims of addiction. My little sister, it didn't matter what I said, what I did. It couldn't change it. I tried to rescue her. I did everything I knew. I fasted. I prayed. I would be angry. I would cry. Nothing would fix it. And nothing changed it. And in November of last year, she overdosed on meth and Xanax. And there are so many, there are people in this room, there are people watching today. And you have tried to change things. You've tried to fix it, but it didn't change. And, and they, you found those you love hanging on gallows that Satan had constructed for their demise. And you are sitting here today wondering, what could I have done differently? Rizpah Was in a similar situation. She's watching these, her very own family, her children, as now days go by and their bodies begin to decay, as their bodies swell up, as their bodies turn colors. They're dead, but she won't leave them. They're hanging there. It's been, it stinks, it stinks. It stinks, but she won't leave them. She's still there. She's watching as they, their bodies decay every day a little more and a little more, but she refuses to leave them. There's a few things that I want us right here to just begin to see, because what does Rizba teach us? And I'm going to be real brief and quick, so hang on. What does Rizba teach us? First of all, she teaches us that heroes keep the prayer fires burning. Heroes, can you just say amen to that? They keep the prayer fires burning. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 21. Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth. She spread it out for herself on a rock from the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies. She did not let the birds touch them by day or the wild animals by night. Now notice what it says. This was five to six months five to six months that she fought birds by day and wild beasts by night. I remember when I began to study this thing out, I thought, how is this even humanly possible that a person can fight all day and fight all night for five to six months? That is not humanly possible. Sometimes you've got to sleep Sometime you gotta eat. How in the world did she for five to six months fight all day and fight all night? And then the Lord had me dig in and study this woman and I found that Rizba kept a fire burning in the camp at night. At night she would make sure a fire was continually continually burning in the camp all night, which meant all day long she would have to go out and she would look for sticks, and she would prepare for the nightfall, and she would have everything ready so that at night the the fire would be burning, and it would be a deterrent to the wild beast for coming into the camp. But she had to make sure that the fire didn't go out, so she had to kind of sleep with one eye open so that she could keep the fire stoked and the fire burning. What a beautiful picture of prayer of the intercession. Listen to what Leviticus chapter 6 verse 13 says. It says the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. Everyone say continuously. continuously. It must not go go out. Rizma knew in order to prevent, she could not prevent the execution of her sons because the law demanded it, but she could prevent them from being devoured. And that's what she had in mind. You won't take my baby's bodies. I couldn't prevent the law, but you're not going to take my baby's bodies. She was a dangerous woman. She displayed loyalty. She displayed displayed passion. She displayed courage. She didn't let the fire die. She kept it going continuously. I thought of this and I thought how she must have had moments of exhaustion. How she must have had times where she got fatigued and weary and then the Lord took me to the attention of every one of you in this building this morning because there are people here and you are exhausted. You you are weary, you have prayed and you have prayed and nothing has changed and you came to church, you're here halfway alert. I am convinced this church is full of halfway alert people because sleep isn't fixing the kind of exhaustion you feel in your spirit. Nothing you do is helping you with the type of weariness. You're tired all the time and there are people in this room that walk through this door out of obedience because you're loyal and because you're faithful and you have prayed and you have prayed and nothing has changed. But hear me by the spirit of the Lord because as I prayed for you this week, I heard the Lord say, those who wait on me, I'm gonna renew their strength. They're gonna mount up with wings. They're gonna run. And not be weary. They're going to walk and they're not going to faint. I heard the Lord say he's going to put supernatural strength in you today. Praise the Lord. I I was praying and the Lord said Jamie, I said, Lord, I hear it. They're weary. They're tired. And the Lord said, just hear me because I'm speaking from the Spirit of God right now. He said, just As I sent an angel to feed Elijah when he was weary, worn out, and exhausted, he said, I am sending angels into the house of the Lord, and I'm going to feed my people, and they're going to go in the strength uh, for the journey that I have ahead for them. Would you praise the Lord for that? Feed us, Lord. Feed us, Lord. Come on, you can do better than that. Woo! I'm taking my strength. I'm taking my strength. I'm taking my strength. I'm taking my strength. Woo Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Take your strength. Take your strength. Eat be refreshed, Take your strength. Woo! Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord Almighty. Praise the Lord Almighty. Praise the Lord Almighty. Jesus. Hallelujah. The second thing that Rizpah teaches us this morning is that heroes fight for what is rightfully theirs. They fight for what is rightfully theirs. Look, Rizba did not let the birds touch them by day or the wild animals by night. Now notice, because vultures would come from miles, they would smell the stench of death. I don't know how many of you have ever been around City of Lights where we have the vultures. I can't help, I get this picture of these kind of vultures. You know, when I'm standing flat-footed, they come up to my waist. That's how big they are. And I'm thinking of how this woman, all by herself, for five to six months, is fighting vultures. How in the world did she do it? For five to six months, she would not, the scripture said, she did not let the birds touch them. She wouldn't allow it. Birds are symbolic of demonic attacks. It's a picture of demonic attack. Listen to what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 13. It says a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Jesus trying to explain this parable went on in verse 18. And he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So Jesus said, do you want to know what this means? I'm telling you, just like birds steal seed, demons steal what you've been sowing into. They're after your seed. They want it, you, what you got. So they come and try to attack it. This is what John the Revelator said in book of Revelation. He said, and an angel cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a habitation of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. So, birds are symbolic of demons in scripture. And all I know is this she did not allow them to touch her children. She said, they are rightfully mine. They belong to me and you will not touch them. Those were those little boys right there that I, I remember uh, when I heard them cry for the first time. And I remember when I helped them take their first steps. And I remember when they were leap around in my stomach when I was carrying them. I remember helping them play padded cake and I remember how them comb their hair and brush their teeth I remember their first day of school and getting them out the door I remember the many lunches I packed for them those babies belong to me they are rightfully mine and devil you can't have them <laughs> Oh, Jesus! Devil, you can have what is rightfully mine. She armed herself. I don't know what she armed herself with. I have no idea. I can't help but think that she found some kind of a stick like this. And when those birds, those vultures would swoop in, she would just begin to leap at them and, and throw sticks and rocks at them. But she would not allow those birds to touch her her baby's bodies. Listen to me. There is a spiritual weapon. There are many spiritual weapons, but I hear it in the spirit. There's a spiritual weapon that everyone in this room has this morning. It's the weapon called the shout. When we were singing a minute ago, the Lord reminded me, you got a weapon, girl. It's called your shout. that shout sometimes is a hallelujah it's a praise the lord it's by faith in the name of jesus but when i open my mouth and i begin to release a shout there ain't no demon in hell that can touch what is rightfully mine Your mouth up and say, Devil, you can't have it. Devil, you won't take it. Devil, get off of what belongs to me. Devil, get out of my house. Devil, get out of my body. Devil, get off of my finances. Devil, get off of my joy. Devil, you can't have my peace. Devil, get out of the way. I mean, open your mouth. Oh, come on, somebody shout, 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 shout shout like you mean it devil you won't have them I'm getting it back what you did I'm getting it back oh I'm getting it all back you won't take what is rightfully mine you're not gonna have a devil oh, listen to what the scripture says it says and the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Yeah. Now, devil, quit. <laughs> I mean it. I'm going to tell the pastor. <laughs> Listen, there's another weapon, Deborah. It just hit me. There's another weapon, it's called the clap. There's something about when you clap. Do you know what it does? It throws confusion into the enemy's army. When God, when the devil's attacking what belongs to you, and instead of you going, you start going, hallelujah, hallelujah. You throw confusion into the enemy's camp. I wish you for the next few minutes would just give the devil a lot of confusion in this house by releasing a shout. And let this place roar with Come on pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost Pray in the Holy Ghost I don't even know what to pray But the Spirit knows what I need to say There's been too many that have suffered losses The enemy has stolen so much and we give up so easily Oh, we quit so easily But not on my watch not on my watch, come on. Not on my watch, not on my watch. Devil, you won't have our community. No, you won't, devil, you will not have my community. Ooh. Sometimes I had to get up and remind him this territory belongs to the Lord. The Lord just quickened my spirit to this. But I remember when we first came here to pastor, And I'm in here in the room here, praying. I was sharing this with some of the staff the other day. And I was praying in here. And I looked up and I saw this massive demonic spirit in the balcony. Huge, over 10 feet tall. He was massive. I could see him extending up. I'd never seen anything quite like it. And I said to the Lord, what is that? He said, that is a territorial spirit rooted in France, rooted in France. I thought, what does that even mean? What does that mean? So when Victor started doing demographic study and I started diving into some study on the area, I found out that this community was founded by the French The French came in and founded the community and they called this sect of people that settled here, the poorest of the poor. There was a curse released over our community when they settled by saying they are the poorest of the poor but I want you to hear me because I'm taking what is rightfully mine right now I am not the poorest of the poor I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he owns it all and because of who he is I'm his baby and I am rich today and you are rich today because in that curse. Somebody help me break that curse. We break that word curse in the name of Jesus. Ah, oh, I need to move on. The last thing, the last thing. The last thing that Rizva teaches us is that heroes never leave the rock. They never leave. The rock rispa daughter of Aiah took sack cloth, she spread it out for herself on a rock. From the beginning of the harvest till the rain poured down from the heavens on the bodies. This is a beautiful picture of believers planting themselves, themselves in faith upon Christ Jesus. Because Jesus is pictured and symbolic often. As a rock, listen to what the scripture says in Acts 4. It says that he that is Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief. Cornerstone. Listen to Romans 9. It says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him, who? Jesus, will never be disappointed. Jesus is the rock. And notice what she did. She puts on sackcloth and she plants herself on the rock. This was a woman who had worn queenly garments. But now for some five to six months, she never takes off sackcloth. For five to six months, we never hear of her saying, hold up, folks, I need to go get a pedicure. Never once did she say, I need a spa treatment. I deserve it. Never once did she say, you know what? I'm just going to go home and shower and then I'll be back. Never once do we get this image of her leaving, ever leaving for five to six months. She stays right there in sackcloth. She had her war clothes on. Tell somebody, put your war clothes on. Tell somebody, put your war clothes on on. Tell somebody it's time to put your war clothes on. And she put those war clothes on and she never walked away. June, it was May, the beginning of harvest season. And she wore sackcloth and she said, I shall not be moved. The month of June rolls around and she says, I shall not be moved. July rolls around and she says, I shall not be moved. The month of of August rolls around and she says, I shall not be moved. The month of September rolls around and she says I shall not be moved. Her prayer partners have walked away. Those that stood with her initially no longer are there but now it's October and she says I shall not be moved. She wouldn't leave. She stayed. People were looking at her and say oh baby she's lost her ever loving mind. She's gone crazy but she said I shall." Shall not be moved. People said, It's time to quit, honey. It's time to go on home, honey. She said, I shall not be moved. People said, You look like a wreck, girl. You just look like a wreck. You need to go on home. But she said, I shall not be moved. When other people's faith had wavered and they had given up, she was determined, I'm not leaving. And I need to tell somebody, You need to hold on. Get a hold of the altar. The horns of the altar and hold on don't you be moved take courage because Jesus is gonna answer how long pastor how long when is long enough you stay till you get an answer I remember all my prayer meetings mama Sarah people would tarry and wait in the altars. I remember when people would pray and fast and pray and fast until they heard from heaven. When are we going to realize until we wake up the courage the church needs is when she plants herself on the rock and refuses to leave. my god help me lord jesus word got back to the king david what this heroic woman was doing and listen to what the scripture says start playing for me tanya when david was told what ai's daughter riz Saul's concubine had done he went and he took the bones of saul and his son jonathan from the citizens of gate jabesh gilead David brought the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from there. And the bones of those who had been killed and exposed, they were gathered. And look, they buried them. They buried the bones. Word got back to King David. What this woman had been doing. And listen, she won the favor of a king. She won favor with him. The king had compassion on her. And he said, I know that we were bound to the law of the Ammonites. And I know according to Ammonite law that these boys should never receive a proper burial. But David did this. It was so unheard of. David said, I'm breaking the law. And I'm writing a new law. And we're going to go get those boys' bodies. And we're going to give them a proper burial. No one had heard of such a thing. But he did it. And what I want you to understand this morning. Is you need to hear the Lord say. You have won favor. With the king of kings. And the Lord of lords. He has seen you. He has heard you. And you've won favor with the King of Kings. And a new law was written in his very own son's of blood. There was a death sentence hanging every over every one of our heads. But Jesus, when he came and shed his blood, he abolished it. And a new covenant has been written. And Jesus made it possible. And I want you to know that nothing, nothing is, absolutely nothing is impossible to Him and with Him. And so whatever you're looking at today that you think, oh, it's just gonna be this way. It's just gonna be this way. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not but there's something so important that if we're going to miss it if we don't catch this right here. Because notice this. Rizpa could not move. She was planted until what she needed to have buried was buried. She could not move on. She couldn't move on until something got buried. And I hear the Lord saying, there's so much unresolved pain in this room today. There's a lot of unresolved issues, hurt, pain in this room today. But I hear the spirit of the Lord saying, there is closure coming. Closure is coming. And there's some things you need to allow God to give closure to in your life this morning. And I feel like the Lord wants to do that for so many today. Just give you some closure today. You know, my sister, my parents, all of the prayers I had prayed, the years and years I sowed seed. Some people might look and say, "Oh." what a tragedy but listen three days my sister was in a coma and during those three days we would call my other sisters and i would call there in los angeles and i would talk to her and i would pray with her and i know she heard me i know she could hear me And I am convinced today because of how long I stayed on the rock for my little sister. I am convinced she is with Jesus today. Don't you dare let anybody tell you there will never be closure. Because I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, there is closure coming. Closure is coming. Listen, a famine was ended because of a woman's heroic act. Because of Rispa's behavior, the heavens opened. Because of her behavior, the rain started to come. And I'm telling you, rain, blessing, closure is headed your way. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis people's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.